On September 18, 1848, in Cavendish, Vermont, a 25-year-old railroad foreman was tamping explosive powder into a drill hole in preparation for a blast with an iron bar measuring 3 feet 7 inches in length, 1.25 inches in diameter, and weighing 13.25 pounds. Oh, I like where this is headed. Um, <laughs> so, right, what ingredients do we have here already? We have a long, old fucking piece of iron bar. Yes. Uh, we have some explosives. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to bet we don't have much in the way of head protection. No, not a lot in uh, 1848 Cavendish, Vermont, apparently. All the pieces are in place. <laughs> Put some chuckles. Suddenly, Mark. Put some joy. A... <laughs> chuckles. <laughs> a spark caused the powder to detonate yep. prematurely, and the tamping iron shot into the foreman's cheek, oh. through his brain, and out of his skull, propelling him backwards several feet, while the rod itself landed some 30 yards away. Oh, what? It went straight through. It went clean through. Matter. Clean through. Holy exploded shit. out through his head, landed all bloody and brainy 30 yards away. Uh, <laughs> the end. Yet, Fucking scene. <laughs> Ta da! Yet, somehow, within minutes, mm. the foreman was conscious and walking around. Oh. In fact, it's possible he never lost consciousness at all. Mm. And what's even more staggering, he seemed kind of fine. Yeah. Dr. John Martin Harlow was summoned to the scene where the injured worker was sat in the back of an ox cart, writing in his work journal oh as if having a God. three and a half foot post launched through his cranium was just a standard day at the office. He's filling out like an accident report. <laughs> Right? Like, oh no, zero days. <laughs> Last metal rock through head. <laughs> uh, the doctor carefully removed small bone fragments from the wound, and he shifted the larger bone fragments that had been displaced back where they belonged. He just kind of reached in there and was like, well, this uh, goes here, like a looks weird good little to puzzle. Me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then he used what were described as adhesive straps to close up the big old hole in his head. Tape. We're talking tape, aren't we? You taped the fucking... <laughs> That's taped what it, it sounds like to me. I'm like, yeah. adhesive straps? Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Uh, a few days later, of course, being 1848, the wound became infected and the foreman fell into a semi-comatose state. His death was almost certain. His family going so far to prepare a coffin for his mm. imminent demise. But against all odds, within five weeks, he recovered. My God. And ten weeks later, the young foreman, a man named Phineas Gage, was back home with the family that thought they'd have to bury him. Wonderful. Now... Phineas Gage is something of a household name, at least here in the U.S. Mm. Have you heard his name before? Are you familiar with Phineas Gage? Uh, the very bare bones of that story are familiar to me. Uh, right. The fella's name, Phineas Gage, his life after the incident, not so much. But uh, I, I, yeah, that, it, it rings Vaguely a bell. knew this yes. had happened yes, to yes, a yes, man yes. at some time. Yeah, if you mention his name, like, in a group around here, folks, someone's probably going to be like, eh, isn't that the guy with the hole in his head? Um, he became something of a legend, a, mm. a medical curiosity who gave us insights into how the brain works that we'd never had before. 
but the facts of his case became muddled and warped by time and sensationalized by people who weren't there but heard things through the grapevine mm. and mixed up with other unrelated cases at the time when lobotomies and phrenology were par for the neuroscientific course. Mm. As such, lots of myths endure about Gage's life, painting him to be an unhinged drifter who died penniless in an institution. The truth is much more interesting, though, I think. In reality, despite having a whole-ass metal rod rip through his dome, yeah. he was actually able to live a fairly normal life afterwards. Yeah. So in the Boston Medical Surgical Journal, Dr. Harlow wrote this of Gage's injuries. Quote, The tamping iron entered the cranium, passing through the anterior left lobe of the cerebrum, and made its exit in the medial line at the junction of the coronal and sagittal sutures, lacerating the longitudinal sinus, sinus, fracturing the parietal and frontal bones extensively, breaking up considerable portions of the brain, and protruding the globe of the left eye from its socket by nearly Whoa. half its diameter. So basically, <laughs> this guy got a good chunk of his brain and skull blasted to bits, and his left eye popped, popped his eye out of its yeah. socket. Fuck yeah. me. So, <laughs> predictably, uh, that did leave him blind in that eye, and he also experienced muscle weakness on that side of the face. Yeah. Um, on a surface level, though, that seemed to really be the only lasting damage, and he became eager to go back to work several months after the accident. However, Dr. Harlow had started to notice some issues. While some things about Gage were unchanged, like his memory, for example, it seemed completely fine afterwards, uh -huh. his personality had undergone some noticeable shifts. Yes, this, this rings bells as well. This, this is familiar yeah. to me. Dr. Harlow wrote that his intellectual manifestations were feeble, that he was, quote, being exceedingly capricious and childish, but with a will as indomitable as ever. He's particularly obstinate, will not yield to restraint when it conflicts with his desires. His employers, who regarded him as the most efficient and capable foreman, considered the change in his mind so marked that they could not give him his place again. He is fitful, irreverent, indulging at times in the grossest profanity, which was not previous his custom, wow. manifesting but little deference for his fellows, impatient of restraint or advice when it conflicts with his desires, a child in his intellectual capacity and manifestations. He has the animal passions of a strong man. His mind was radically changed so decidedly that his friends and acquaintances said he was no longer Gage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, he tried to go back to work then. Yeah, he, you know, See, months later was like, all right, got to go. Let's do this. I me. need to make, make the bank. I cannot get my head around that. Do you remember when we talked about that guy who got sucked through like a fucking four inch <laughs> wide CD size gap? He yeah. did his best to go back to the same fucking factory that, that <laughs> smushed him through a fucking tiny little gap in a machine. Ah, well, just clock on next shift. That I cannot. Yeah. What are the odds that's going to happen again? Yeah, exactly. I can't, I can't wrap my head around that. If I was Phineas Gage, no. I wouldn't want to fucking see a metal oh. rod again. Um, Never. Yeah, I'd be. I wouldn't ride on a train. I would be like, you know what? I think I'm good. I'm done with. Sure, he'd have a career as a, a curiosity. Well, that is one of the rumors that okay, persisted okay, about okay, him okay. Had a career as a, a curiosity. Uh -huh. Um, and I'll and I'll get to that. Uh, so, basically, he physically seemed mostly fine, right? And uh, he retained the faculties that enable him to remember things, like to speak 
uh, to walk, to even do his job. So, like, the performance on the job was fine. Mm. It wasn't like he went back there and he, like, didn't know how to do it anymore or physically had any issue. He could do it, mm. uh, but his personality had allegedly changed drastically, making him a giant pain in the ass to work with yeah, yeah. and causing his employers to cut the cord on him. Now, a lot of the stories have you think that he then ran off and made his fortune as a sideshow in the circus. There we go. <laughs> that he was a pathological liar who told grandiose falsehoods about his life to anyone who would listen. That he had a strange attachment to the rod that he impaled that had impaled him. Holy and shit! Kept it with him at all times. Really? And that he was well. This is rumor. Uh-huh. Um, and that he was so driven by uninhibited urges that he'd even become a child molester. Uh. So there's actually very little evidence of any of that right. actually happening. What we do know is that Gage had done an appearance at Barnum's American Museum in New York City, which is what people complete with his, conflate with his joining the circus. I see. Even though it was a completely separate endeavor. So it was P.T. Barnum, Yeah. but it was just like a museum piece that you know he went in there and he made some sort of appearance at if he ever toured as any kind of sideshow there's only like less than a year of his life unaccounted for that he would have been able to do that i can completely i mean i would 100 percent want to keep the bar oh yeah i mean totally uh and he actually he like donated it i think to another museum not the same one um is it do you happen to know if it's still around it is still around. I will get to that as well. He did donate it at the time to a museum or it was kept in a museum and he did get it back later on, which also I think is what spurred those rumors. Oh, they were like, yeah. oh, he was like weird and attached to it. And he like carried this bar around with him, like some strange talisman. Like, I think he just got it back from the museum. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a keepsake of this crazy thing well, that yeah. happened to me. <laughs> yeah. I think we can understand why you'd want to keep that. He just wasn't, like, walking around with it, yeah. you know, using it like a staff, like he was Gandalf or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, he, his mother said that he would often tell his nieces and nephews fanciful stories about his adventures, a detail that probably became conflated with this other rumor that he was a pathological liar that yep. told these big stories about himself. He was really just telling these things to entertain children. Mm. And people were like, oh, yeah, he just lies about himself all the time. Oh, Phineas. Uh, yeah. He seemed to do just fine in responsible positions of employment. He worked for a year and a half in a livery stable in Vermont before moving to Chile and working with horses and coaches down there for nearly a decade. Oh, that's good. He returned, yeah, right? Like, he moved and had, like, an exotic adventure in another country. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. Taking care of horses. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he seemed to be fully functional uh, to be able to do something. I like hope this that. is going to end he nicely. Was... Uh, could end worse. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, he doesn't, like, murder anybody or get murdered. <laughs> so, okay, fine. So Go on that. Good. <laughs> Uh, but he did return to America when his health began to fail due to the development of epilepsy, which is likely connected to that head injury. Mm. His family had um, relocated to San Francisco at the beginning of the gold rush. So he moved to California. And again, he held down a job. He worked on a farm in Santa Clara uh, until he succumbed to that epilepsy mm. in 1860. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it's a bummer of an end to Phineas Gage, but it could have been a lot worse, all things considered. But his skull 
and the bar that sailed through it that fateful day are actually now kept at the Warren Anatomical Museum in Boston. Wonderful. Yeah, not just because of the curiosity and sensationalism that accompanied his story, but also because what happened to him, like I said, gave scientists an understanding of how the brain functioned yeah, yeah, that yeah. wouldn't become common thought until much later, and in fact received much pushback at the time, because it was a time of people being like really into, you know, the phrenology and stuff like yeah, that, the yeah, pseudosciences yeah, yeah. Of, of the brain and how thought worked. Um, the idea that certain areas of the brain had distinct functions was just not on their radar at that point. And it wasn't until 1878 that Dr. David Ferrier found similar things to be true when he removed the prefrontal lobes in monkeys. Mm. The monkeys could go about their lives without any apparent psychological or sorry, they could go about their lives without any apparent physiological or neurological changes or yeah. major impairments, but their personalities were demonstrably different. He noted that, quote, while not actually deprived of intelligence, they had lost to all appearance the faculty of the attentive and intelligence observation. Yes. And he reasoned that injury to the prefrontal cortex of the frontal lobes of the brain can cause profound personality challenges without other apparent neurological deficits. So neuroscientists are still working to uncover the mystery of how... All of that works, but at a time in which people still thought you could tell a lot about a person by the bumps on their head, uh -huh. the strange case of Phineas Gage pointed Dr. Harlow and others toward a whole other set of questions and steps toward understanding what is going on in all that wrinkly gray matter up there. I mean, you know how hung up and fascinated I am by arcane, uh, mm -hmm. you know, brain diagnostic procedures, phrenology, yeah. trepanation. Uh yes. And I am looking at Phineas Gage's skull right now up on my screen. And nice. Holy shit. <laughs> did that bar do a number on him? It really did, yeah. And there's actually only two known photos of Phineas Gage, one of which was only discovered in 2010. Mm. Um, and you can see sort of like he's, uh, he looks like a pretty normal guy, except one of his eyes is closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. Just no function of that yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, that is insane. An inch and a quarter with yes. circumference of this yes. bar. Yes, yes, yes. Going through your head. I, it, it almost, I think, because it was so heavy, that probably is part of why Shot it just kind of passed through, through and didn't yeah, do. Yeah, completely, completely. It would have done more damage if it had been lighter. Yeah. And just kind of like rattled around in there, but it just kind of... I mean... Clean but shot. The, you know... <laughs> I don't know how, yeah, I don't know whether it's just, you know, something that, you know, a cliche that just gets passed around. Like that bullshit about, hey, you only use two thirds of your brain, don't you? Ah, that's bollocks, right. obviously. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty certain that there's still, and I, I believe Eileen would agree. I think Eileen said the same thing, that there's, there's lots of best guesses as to which bits of the brain are responsible for what. But it, we know more now than we ever have before, to the point where I think I shared it on the cast some months back. That phenomenal video of the violinist in the middle mm. of brain surgery and just to just to make sure that they're not fucking with her cognitive centers she's awake and just carving up the violin while they're <laughs> you know ferreting about in, in her in her skull um yeah it's wild oh i love that shit i absolutely love it yeah it's amazing that like you said even now we, we just don't know we don't know entirely how it works and what's connected to what and what are what are the key functions, right? What are the mm. things that if you shut them off, 
you know, you hit this particular part of the brain, everything else goes with it or yeah. whatever the case may be. But this was one of the sort of pioneering cases because normally, even to this day, head trauma is something that people don't generally just bounce back from. Well, <laughs> Most yeah, of the I mean, time, there's... head trauma is very bad. So uh, to have this happen... And, and what are the bits Huge. that you can kind of rely on neuroplasticity to take over? What are the bits that you can kind of remap and relearn elsewhere? Or are there bits that when they're gone, they're gone, you know? Right. <laughs> mm. Bananas. Cool as fuck is what it is. And, and you know, visually, it's simply blancmange. You look at it and it's just a fucking mass of, of pink and grey fucking jelly. That's all it is. Yet... Right. It is responsible it's really for important pink and grey jelly. Unconscious impulses, breath, fucking electrochemical, fucking... It's your thoughts, everything you are, everything that is. Your perception of everything around you is housed in that fucking wobbly mass of... Shite. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise-en-scene. Anyone has ever said me well said in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's you cold know. outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm <laughs> fucking, I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> 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 Um, it's <laughs> Jack of all grades. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. This is we short circuited, and it's fine. Uh, because friends, it is the Jack of all graves head trauma super so so so. Yep. Uh, Get stoked. This was always coming. This was always in the wings. Corey and I mm. being the people that we are. Um, we had a conversation earlier on this week where, I, I don't know, I think maybe I was drunk, wasn't I? Had I been drinking? You were drunk, yes. Uh, and for whatever reason, fucking head trauma was on my mind. So uh, mm. we thought, hey, w let's do a Jack of All Graves special on uh, traumas of the brain, traumas of the mind, traumas of, uh, of, of the skull and the fucking meat within. It's all about decapitation this week, folks. Uh, so yes, hold on to your skulls. In real life and fiction. Indeed. Yep, 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 yep. So it's going to be a wild ride. Things are going to be a little bit different this week because we are so hyper-focused mm. on shit that can happen to your head. Yep. Uh, so hopefully you guys are on board as well because you will get no breaks from it. No. Uh, there will be timestamps, but they're all going to lead you to more head trauma. That's right. Spoiler alert. Uh, that's right. So, so you know, you may even want to tune out this week. <laughs> If, if it's not your bag. If that's not something that you're into. Because <laughs> we're not going to be covering like a spectrum of different topics this week. It's not going to be like a, a broad... Because often we do, don't we? Often it's like a little we kind do, of a yeah. buffet. You know? Mm -hmm. It's like the buffet's open, go along, have a sausage roll of despair. Have, you know, uh, like a volavant of psychological issues. Uh, what? A volavant. <laughs> a kind a of a... volavant? Yeah, like a beige picky bit that you would get on a buffet. Uh traditionally a little tartlet oh like a mini quiche kind of thing what language is vo vol it vol it's well it's french i mean you know it's, it's... okay yeah. sure i'll take your word for it 
I'm choosing to believe you today, Mark, because it is your episode. Uh, Yeah. I'll say any old shit in that case. Um, All right. I look forward to it. But yes. It'll be a fun fact check afterwards. That's what we are focusing really, really, really squarely and almost obsessively on this week on Jack of All Grades. And you know what? Knowing you all out there, you're going to be right along on this ride with us. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Once again, hop on board the Joag train. Choo-choo. <laughs> station. Yeah. <laughs> um, but first, we just want to give our traditional shout-out and thank you to everyone for attending our watch-along this weekend. One of our best attended, if not the best attended. It was. So we, had, uh, we had more in attendance than ever before. Um, yeah. Which is interesting because the film was worse than it's ever been before. The worst film that we have watched fuck me and we watched Dreamcatcher before oh, Dreamcatcher so really hey something. I will go to back to Dreamcatcher like I did back at, okay, you know well. back then it had a lot going for it it it's it you know like sure I said at the time did. if a film if your only criticism is that it was too ambitious then it's it's <laughs> it's okay whereas Leprechaun was a film entirely lacking in ambition yes uh entirely yes. devoid of any kind of purpose really it it yeah. you know it, 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 that's the thing it's devoid of purpose it's like what is it even what was it yeah i guess it was just capitalizing off of the existence of rap but with no they it's not like they tried to find anyone who was good at rap the most effort they put into it is that coolio walks into a room yeah and does a grandpa simpson like and then turns the fuck around seconds. and walks out yeah right straight up it's like Leprechaun. they acknowledged rap as a thing that exists. And Leprechaun, that was as far as they went with it. Leprechaun in the Hood fails as a horror film in that it isn't at all tense, edgy, horrifying, or no. gory. There's no, there's no. All the kills are off camera. Well, there's like two <sighs> kills that are. Which uh, I was explaining this last night. I thought that was so wild. There's like two really gory kills that happen on camera, mm. and then you're like, why did they pull the punches? The rest of it, then they yeah. clearly weren't trying to go for a lower rating. Uh, I mean, guess maybe budget. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. Um, it, I mean, as a horror icon, Leprechaun fails awfully. He isn't funny. He isn't likable. No. He isn't. Uh, he isn't. You know, cool. He doesn't have. He doesn't have anything going for him. He has nothing to recommend no. him. None of the characters are likable. None of the uh, the soundtrack is awful. Uh, yep. The continuity is woeful. Um, the ADR is from another planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh... like yeah, yeah. The the the. The vocals, the dialogue are tracked off a completely different film by the look of it. Um, mm-hmm. What takes place in one scene is completely kind of forgotten about and never referred to again in the next. Uh, it, it, it was piss poor. However, the company. Mm, the company. The company with which we saw the film was first rate, as always. Yes, Absolutely. It's not Always. the movies that make the job I watch along. It isn't the no. films. No, 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 no. It's the experience. It's what the I love, though, is that, and I think this was in combination, because the Dead and Lovely movie the night before had been also like an all-time low for for that watch along. Okay. And I feel like a lot of the, there's, you know, obviously crossover between people who are at both of those watch alongs. Yeah. I think it was a last straw sort of thing. And people, like Ryan Joyner, for example, joined Twitter so that he can make sure that this never happens again on polls when he found out that these that there was a tiebreaker. One person pushed this over the edge from uh, Jason X. Every vote uh, matters. Every vote matters. Every vote matters on this. And so we had that. We had other people saying, hey, why don't you guys, you know, just choose next time? This, it, 
completely uh, thrown everything into chaos the way that we do our watch-alongs. Everyone was good and fine with this all the way through, and then this one mm. broke the system. So mm. <laughs> that's how bad Leprechaun in the Hood is. At the same time, though, I think we all had a great time. Yeah. Um, I, you know, so. I'm not going to learn anything from it, though. I'm not going to learn yeah. anything from the experience. That's the last you know, thing I'm going to do. Things are going to continue exactly yeah. how they have been. Yeah, it's our brand, isn't it? We are now yes. locked into a way of doing things which is immutable <laughs> and cannot be changed. Cannot be changed, so, people. Chaos is our brand. So stay tuned for February <laughs> for another poll. Uh, yes. Because, look, hey. Hey. Just like we learned here in Britain over the the last kind of five years if a poll doesn't go your way you can't just rerun it you know what i mean that's <laughs> democracy right you've got to fucking yeah, that's how it works. suck it you up you just got to stick to it no matter how terrible the consequences are you have are. to if somebody votes for you to slowly walk into a threshing machine you have to then do it you just got to do it you got to do it those are the rules yeah uh so yes same time next month folks <laughs> well, and if you have a theme idea for mm. this particular month, please Ooh. let us know. Uh, we have not picked one yet, so you know if over the next few days something strikes you. Yeah, uh, I'd love that. Let I, us know. I'm sure I've got plenty up my sleeve somewhere. I'll have to have a rummage. Yeah, I but, mean, yeah, if, if nobody out. has one, we'll we'll come up with one. But if something's pressing on you and you're like, this is the theme, I know this is what we got to do. We'll Maybe we'll chuck that into it. the uh, Kofi tiers. You can. Choose the yeah, I feel like the watch, watch alongs are for everyone. We can't, yes, we can't they are. wall of that off. Of course. <laughs> watch alongs are for No all. walling off our watch alongs. No, 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 no. no. Uh, we'll, we'll put it on the, the Twitter. We'll ask you on the on mm. the socials to Twitter, yeah. some things. Yeah. <laughs> but relatedly to that watch along, our dear a friend and listener, Anna Martin, watched because she's a completionist. All of the Leprechaun movies leading up to it before the watch along. Oh, that's insane. And Absolutely crazy shit. She's continuing with the two, three that come after it. Yeah, Eight she's... Eight movies, I believe. She's kept on going uh, in an act of just long-term, large-scale self-harm, I guess, or most inflicting psychological <laughs> damage on herself. And she seems... I, I mean, I don't know Anna particularly well, but she seems young. She seems like a young, a bright, plucky young lady with lots to give, you know, um, <laughs> uh, but is locked in this very private and, you know, very complicated act of self-debasement. Yes. Uh, just, yeah. it's like, or, I guess, like an abusive relationship. You go back to the one that, that hurts you. And that's what Anna is doing. That's what she's doing. Uh, so... We're going to we're going to give Anna a little traditional Joag therapy yeah. is what's going to happen here. And in our first uh ever Kofi sidecast, yeah. that you can get by subscribing at any tier mm -hmm. on our Kofi page. We're going to talk to Anna about the process of becoming the foremost expert yeah. on the Leprechaun franchise and the uh, ensuing mental spiral. She's a leprechologist. She's a, she's, she's a now, she's the Joag leprechologist in many ways, as much of a boffin as Eileen. During, <laughs> in, in some ways, during the Discord chat, <laughs> she became the source of leprechaun lore. Anna, can right. the leprechaun do this? Oh, fucking no. Uh. You know what I mean? When, when <laughs> the leprechaun would in, invent and then seemingly discard powers on the scriptwriter's whim, mm. It was Anna who he would turn to for the last word 
on Leprechaun lore. And at, at what point during the series did the Leprechaun develop that power? Well, in Leprechaun 2, 30-odd uh, minutes in, yes, it did mention the pot of gold at the rainbow, so that is Leprechaun lore. Thanks, Anna. And we would carry on. <laughs> It's wonderful. Uh, and it was delightful to watch her descent into madness as Good. she she watched these. Starting from, she always, on her stories, like watches a movie and talks about them. As she progressed through the Leprechaun series, the the stories became more unhinged. There was more yeah. art, characters, yeah. 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 all yeah. kinds of things in it. So we will have Anna on. Uh, look for that on our Kofi soon. I will announce when that goes and up. I, I want to, just as a heads up, I want to explore with Anna what impact watching such mm. a fucking piss poor franchise of movies in such short order, what impact does that have on a person, right? I don't, yes. want, to be, I don't want to be all kind of self-referential and meta talking about kind of our cast and whatnot. I want to know, yeah. I want to know why, I want to know what brought her back, I want to know what kept her there, what is this completionist gene that she has, mm. this urge, yeah. even... You know, at, at the ruination of her own mental condition and the fact that there are so many other films out there begging to be watched. It's true. And you know other people do this too. So maybe we'll be able to provide some insight mm. into the completionist horror mind. And it should be a really fun time. Real so nice. look out for that. And also, you have one more week left to get in your suggestion if you are in the $5 or above tiers uh, on our Kofi yep. for Marco's yep. video rant. I'm primed. I'm ready to go. Uh, I've booked out. I've got some free time, and I'm ready to just absorb, assimilate, <laughs> and fire back on anything you might wish to set me up on. Lock me and load me and aim me at the screen because I'm ready to discharge. Oh shit. Um. <laughs> Okay. I, I'm I'm <laughs> pent up as a motherfucker and I'm ready to unleash. So, you know. Oh boy. Oh yeah. So if that doesn't entice you, I don't know what will. Uh, there are such different suggestions. I haven't seen any that so people far. Have put in. I haven't seen a so single far. one. I haven't yeah. seen a single one. Yeah, that's the thing is they have, the suggestions that people have put in so far have been very different from one another and just obscure enough mm, that. Good. You know, yeah, you have not seen any of them. So I'm very excited. Next week during the episode, Mark will pull one of them out of the randomizer yep. uh, and we will decide, uh, or we will not decide, the random fate computer will, will decide. decide. Fate will decide. Baby Jesus will himself record. will decide. <laughs> and Mark will record that video rant that you'll be able to see on our Kofi. Ko.fi dot com slash jack of all graves if you want to get in on that now my dear brother and friend of the cast alan insists mm. that it should be pronounced coffee because coffee yeah there was something that like one of their videos that they put up said kofi oh, in fine, it, and that's fine, the only fine, reason fine, i fine. say it that way i think probably because if they pronounced it coffee then people would try coffee.com yeah 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 i get that i get that so i think that's why they they do it that way case closed yeah, but he's not wrong. <laughs> he's definitely not wrong. I thought of your brother yesterday because I went to dinner and uh, we ordered bread and butter. And the butter was a Marmite butter. Ooh, he'd enjoy that. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> it was actually quite good. I'm not a big Marmite person, but it was very delicious. Mm. Um, 
are we really going to talk about this? Fuck it, let's do it. I, I, are we? <laughs> I don't generally like Marmite, but the, uh, in the UK you can buy a Marmite-infused peanut butter. And son of a bitch, I could just eat it with a, I could eat it with a spoon. The first, the first taste of it in a, in a, the first time you taste it, your face kind of implodes yeah. through the relentless, brutal savouriness of it all. It's ah uh, oh, right. man, it it is unforgivingly savoury, and your face implodes. <laughs> That's a really good phrase for what Marmite is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unforgivingly, remorselessly savoury. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. So it, I, I feel like that's my experience with anything that I eat that is has Marmite touch it is the first bite of it. I'm like, Ugh! yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it is just, but then, it has aggressively punched me in the face with savoriness. And then I'm like, okay, I can, I can probably do that. 20 million right. podcasts, folks. And the only one currently talking about Marmite and shortly to be moving on to aggressively talking about decapitation for the next hour. There's only one podcast yeah. you're going to get that fucking tonal dissonance from and it's Jack of All Graves. <laughs> and it's Jack of All Motherfucking Graves. Graves. <laughs> on that note then, mm. uh, we are going to do, this is normally the segment where we would talk about what we've been watching and and you know what, next week we will double the, the watching. I know Mark will want to talk about yellow jackets and there's various yeah, yeah, things yeah. that i've seen oh i'll have it finished this by next week, week. I'm, I'm up to episode five already i'm fucking inhaling that show it is great there you go i did not enjoy it but i'm glad you are mm-hmm. apart from leprechaun i've will, seen fuck all else anyway yes oh perfect so we will get into that next week this week yeah we've got a particular bent to talk about yep. what we've watched mark what are we going to talk about this week so there's something very very special about uh, uh a decapitation on film isn't there Mm. there's you know it, you can slip it in mid-movie for a nice little shock you can save it for the end so your baddie gets that denouement of having their head lopped off you can mm. you know you can film it lovingly and slowly or you can just whoosh, whack off screen it, a, a decapitation is a statement it is a it is a statement of intent when you don't just yes. want to kill off a character you want to put a full stop on the end you want to put a, <laughs> a period at the end of their they life they ain't coming back exactly the decapitation uh, and I've got lots and lots of favourites. I will always... I may not stand up and cheer. If I'm on my own, I, I often will. I've, I have, I've applauded decapitations on films before. Just <laughs> literally just put my hands together and clapped. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it's... It, with, a, with a decapitation in a movie, you guarantee when that movie ends, you will remember that. It is a wonderful yeah. punctuation point during a film, during a horror movie. Uh, and... Oh, I've got so many favourites. I fucking love a fake head. I love a fake head. Mm. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. An animatronic fake head, just uh, maybe a mannequin head stuffed with fucking dog food. Uh, a, a, you know, like the one of, maybe the one of Scanners, uh, a fucking pumpkin yeah. full of guts. I just absolutely <laughs> love the craft of a fake head in a movie. So, so, so cool. So what are we talking about? Well, I just want to talk about some of my favourites and maybe they will strike a chord with you, dear, dear listener. Maybe they'll strike a chord with you, my dear, dear co-host. As I'm Indeed. talking here, I want you to think of these movies. Think of the impact that these uh, decapitations had on you. And I would love it so dearly if you would share with us, dear listener, mm. on Twitter, on Facebook or on Instagram, wherever you see us on social media. Tell me, what are your favourite fake head moments in movies, your favorite decapitations in films. Um, yes. You know, uh, 
there's not going to be anything kind of uh, really obscure here. There's some of the classics. I mean, one of one of my all-time favorites is good old Reanimator. Um, of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the the escalating lunacy of of Reanimator is one of its its hallmarks. You know, and how yeah, uh, Jeffrey Coombs plays the whole thing so beautifully straight and nerdy, even as things go completely insane around him. Uh, but the decapitation of Dr. Hill when he finds him stealing his work strikes him across the back of the head with a shovel and then brings that fucking shovel down on his neck. Um, what is it in particular about that decapitation? I like, well, you don't see <laughs> you don't see the actual business end of that shovel going in, right? But there's this mm-hmm. wonderful, wonderful shot where uh, West is leaning on the shovel to finish the fucking act and the camera is from uh, Dr. Hill's point of view and you see his arms flailing about uh, kind of reflexively as, as it happens. There's this wonderful scraping sound as 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 the head comes <laughs> off. It's just beautiful. You've got some splatter in there, some, you know, some squirt coming up from behind the camera. Uh, but it's all about those those arms juggling about and that fucking, <clears throat> that brutality of pushing the shovel down. So good. Which is a very, it's a brilliant way to be able to show mm. what's happening without actively having to be like, how are we going to make this look yes. realistically like the process of severing a head? Mm. Like, meh, well, don't worry about it. Show it from a different angle and it will be just as effective Yes, in conveying what's what's going on here. Because the opposite of that is, and this is, I know one that I've talked about before, that uh, possibly my all-time favorite decapitation on screen. I know exactly where this is going. You're going to, obviously I'm going to say 30 Days of Night. Yes. Which is... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen, you'll know this about me by now, long-term listeners. I've seen my fair share of actual decapitations on, on, on fucking video here and there. And this one in particular towards the end of 30 Days of Night where uh, Josh Hartnett has to whack his friend's head off to stop him from turning into a vampire towards the end is as realistic a yes. fake decapitation as I have ever seen. It is unflinching. It is all done in camera. He has to yeah. go back in for a second whack to fucking, to fucking finish it off. Oh. It's so gnarly. And I had the same the thought process when I saw it was that, like, I've said before on here that my formative internet traumatic uh, experience of seeing something was seeing a decapitation on the internet when I was, you know, in high school or whatever. Did you seek it out? Did you seek it out or was it shown to you? I... I don't know if I sought it out specifically or if it was like sent to me or Mm. I don't remember exactly how I came upon it, but I was by myself Mm. at the time. So it wasn't like someone was like, hey, and like tricked me into watching it. I knew what I was about to watch. I just, you know, shouldn't have done it, but I did it anyway. Um, And it has burned into my brain. I can still conjure the image, you know, 20 years later. Um, And that's exactly it. 30 Days of Night. I was like, that is... This is probably the only time I've ever seen on film yeah. one that looks like yeah. what it actually looks like when someone's decapitated. Yeah, utterly, Just utterly, utterly. And straight up. Uh, do please prove me wrong if I am wrong. I don't have anything to back this up. I'm certain there's no CG involved. I'm, I'm certain. It doesn't look like it. If no, there's it CG in that, it is incredibly impressive because I think that would make it look worse. Yes. And. Uh, I, I, I'm desperate not to sound like an old shithead here, right? <laughs> um, but this is a conversation I've had with plenty of horror fans. The advent of CG blood uh, was a kind of a turning point for, for gore in movies and not in a good way. Right. You know, 
Shaun of the Dead, I believe, was one of the first movies I can remember that had a lot of CG gore in it. Mm-hmm. And the liquid just doesn't fucking splash right. It doesn't look right. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have that wet kind of actual liquid quality because it isn't. Um, right. Sure, you can pull off some incredible images with CG gore, but spatter, blood spatter, gory fucking, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no substitute for liquid. There's no substitute for real liquid. And that right. beheading in 30 Days of Night is just... It is. It's wet. Oh. <laughs> it's one of the best. Yeah, I feel like I want to put a... I didn't look actually before talking about this. I wonder if there's a really good supercut on YouTube of... of uh, movie decapitations. Of just beheadings or yeah, just top, top, top. I'm sure there must be. I'm sure there must be. In fact, I think I had Googled something about like movie decapitations or something like that in, in preparation. Um, and I'm pretty sure like the first result that came up on YouTube was like a super cut. <laughs> I didn't click it, but <laughs> like I think that does exist. So, mm. you know, something to, something to do after, after yes. the podcast is Oh, over. that would be fun. Good just like to, just like, oh, this was so much fun. What do I need now? And I super cut <laughs> some more heads flying. Because uh, I, I could go on. I mean, what are some of yours? Uh, well, I thought, of course, naturally, uh, of Jaws, first and foremost, being my favorite horror movie of all time. Huh. Or favorite movie of all time. And you gotta have Ben Gardner's head there. You don't see it come off, but it is the jump scare of the entire movie. Yeah. When Richard Dreyfus goes up to the boat and he's looking there and he's finding the tooth coming out of the, you know, the boat, the hole in the boat. And yeah. he's kind of sitting there looking and trying to figure out what's going on. Ben Gardner's head uh. pops out of the hole. Every time I've seen, I've seen this in theaters yeah, yeah, and yeah. on yeah. beaches and all kinds of things in the water in a lake yeah. in Texas, many many times in audiences and every time yeah. the scream yeah. that comes from everyone this fake head that somehow like I don't know that real is what it looks like but it looks bloated yes. and like it's been underwater forever with the bulbous eyes and the you know gaping mouth and there all that stuff. There is a case so to be horrific. made for that being probably the best scare in all of cinema. It, it is, I would absolutely put it, it up is, against. It is foolproof. And as you've said, right? you know, I dare say Cory, were I to challenge you, you could put on a one lady show of jaws right now doing the voices uh you would do the shark you could do you could be ben gardner's head and i I had the pleasure of watching jaws with my kids uh i think it was maybe the christmas before the one just gone and i was just rubbing my fucking hands watching them as as uh as that bit was coming up and yeah it it, ah Every time a movie that is that old mm. still having a scene that audiences absolutely flip for and is that scary, mm. that little rubber head or whatever it is Wonderful. is oh, just so effective. And on a similar note of one that isn't as, you know, I'm not going for the, you know, gorious. I have one of those too, mm. but just a like formative decapitation or removing of heads. Mm. Let's talk about the fire gang from Labyrinth. Ooh, Chili very down nice. with the fire gang. Very nice. Yeah. Hadn't even considered that. Not bloody. No. Not grotesque. No. Terrifying, though. I and many others of that generation that watched this as small children 
were terrified by these guys taking off their heads and throwing them around and then trying to uh, get, what's her name? Why is her name escaping me? Her anyway, name well, Jennifer is... Connelly, but I can't think of what it'll her come. It'll come straight back to me in a yeah. second. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, yeah. how many millions of times have I seen that? Too? Yeah, I think. Oh, Sarah. Don't... Sarah. Sarah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Don't these fire guys like swap heads in? in, in... They swap heads yeah, around yeah, 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 and yeah. they like kick them around and stuff like that. And then like she picks up one of them and throws it. And then they're like, "Hey, you can't like take another person's head." And they're like, "Maybe we should take your head." And they chase her away while like being like, "Hey," and coming after her head. Yeah. Uh, singing their little like very like dark song, you know, that it's like, I don't know, everything about it is very spooky. Uh, Early decapitation. Such vivid, vivid, vivid memories of seeing Labyrinth uh, at the flicks as a very small child, even now, That's right? Cool fucking maybe 35 36 years later i remember specifically a moment from seeing labyrinth at the cinema uh that taught me in the space of two or three seconds that taught me and showed me the potential of cinematography and cinema as a storytelling art form right um mm. and i don't know if we, have i talked i talked about this before i don't think so no i don't think we've ever discussed labyrinth so it's quite late on in the film right Mm-hmm. And by this point, as a kid watching this in the cinema, I am completely immersed in yeah. the fantasy of it all. The, you know, the creatures, the fucking comedy of it all. This little dog riding on his fucking huge bear friend. <laughs> uh, and they, Sarah gets through the maze with Ludo and, and Sir Didymus. And they're at, the, they're at the gate of the Goblin King's castle. And all hell is breaking loose. And those fucking gun things are firing, la la la. And amidst all of this chaos, right, amidst all of this fucking Muppet carnage, uh, my eye noticed, and it's probably crystal clear, but I, when I noticed this as a kid, I thought this is a little detail that they've put in just for me to fucking find. There's a couple <laughs> of milk bottles outside the castle door. Mm. How fucking cool and cute a little detail is that? Somebody in the castle has left the fucking milk bottles out for the milky to pick up. Right. And that tiny little throwaway detail hints at an mm. entire life going on underneath. You know, there's there's yeah. there's there's a, a daily mundanity of the castle. Somebody has rinsed out the milk bottles and left them outside. There's a story going on entirely underneath what we're seeing. And as a kid, I mm. noticed that and I thought, fuck me, that's amazing. Obviously, I didn't think fuck me, that's amazing. So I was like six. But... <laughs> In that tiny detail is the potential of just, of detail, you yeah. know, of just little yeah, bits absolutely. you can notice that expand the world of that film mm. to a thousand times that. more than what you see there on the screen. Phenomenal little moment that I will always remember. I absolutely love that. Mm. <laughs> That's a really cool thing to to think about. I mean, it goes along with just any Henson production, Muppets, all of that kind of stuff that we're mm. convinced that these are real mm-hmm. like i still think kermit is walking around somewhere just living his day-to-day life you yeah, know i did i <laughs> did it comes until, from that well yeah until, until this, this asshole and this hey how's it going i'm coming with the frog whatever the fuck he sounds now <laughs> hey yeah but regardless it's like it's the that level of like detail of adding just stuff like that that mm. adds to the idea that they have a rich life outside of whatever you know muppet thing they're doing right now you yeah. know there's a storyline that they're engaged in but it's those little details that you go but this is not always their life they're doing Absolutely. other stuff this is the bit you've just turned up to see <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> it's just where they turn the cameras on and then yeah. they go around their day-to-day life yeah really cool uh we would <laughs> rabbit hole uh yeah so fantasy decapitation beautiful um hmm. what's your favorite or do you have a favorite of romero's dead trilogy I mean, because it's only a trilogy. The ones that came after Diary and fucking... Well, you know, I'm not, like... I'm not really a big zombie person. No. Uh, so I don't really... Like, they're... I, I They're fine. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a favorite, per se. Uh, I'm a fanatical fan of Day of the Dead, right? The third of, of yeah. his original trilogy. Uh, again, I've probably banged on about this before now. But it's, for me, the bleakest. Uh, it's certainly the, the, the one that goes deepest into zombie lore. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, they get to the... You know, in much the same way as Phineas Gage, his, right. his, you know, his motor centers, his fucking motor neurons were futzed with, which was why his behavior changed. You know, we get at the, at the, just around the edges of what might be causing this to happen to humanity and how it might be reversed. But it's also got some, oh, absolutely to this day, <laughs> never bettered scenes of human fucking mangling and dismemberment that I've never seen bettered in films, right? It's Tom Savini at his absolute most unhinged. The guy is on another <laughs> fucking level in that film. And there are two particular instances of... It's causing you mania interaction. to think about it. But they, just, yeah. they brought me joy when I saw them first. And every time I see that movie since, it brings me joy once again. Uh, so it's when the crew, again, another Sarah, I believe, and her crew, the helicopter pilot and the radio guy, they're downstairs running from the fucking army idiots. Uh, they don't have any weapons, but one of the, uh, I believe it's the alcoholic pilot guy, um, takes out a zombie with a shovel and bisects his head through the mouth with the blade of the shovel. Just yeah. whoops, one fucking cut, cuts it off at the mouth and then... There's that wonderful scraping noise against gravel again. Just a sucker for the scrape. Oh, it's so good. It's visceral. It's lovely. Uh, And just scooches like the top two thirds of this fucking head across the gravel. (laughs) And as they run off, again, you know, Romero, when he was when he was on Fireman, he was the best. We then are treated to a shot of the two-thirds of this zombie head laying on the ground, and the eyes kind of look back and forth. What the <laughs> fuck has just happened? Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is an enduring image. Oh, it's absolutely. So good. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. But that's not my favourite. That's not my favourite at all. Oh, I know what your favourite is. Uh, and it's not Captain Rhodes either. It's actually Private yep. Torres. It's when Private Torres is pulled to bits. Because, um, you know, uh, the, the, the Captain Rhodes is... You know, it's 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 part of horror canon, isn't it? You only have to say, "What? How are we going to kill this character?" Ah, well, Captain Rhodes in. It just means that somebody was pulled apart, and you've seen it <laughs> pulled to bits. You've seen it. You know, it's never been bettered, but it's been homaged and referenced in so many other films. But Torres, one of the other privates, earlier on in the movie, a couple of minutes before Rhodes, gets his head pulled off in such a particular cool fucking way. You've got, you've got. They're digging away his eyes, right? So his fucking eyes come out and they're pulling at his head. And this one has a detail in it, right? Just a little beautifully observed. I don't even know medically if this would happen, right? (laughs) But he's screaming like a motherfucker as they pull his head off. And as his throat comes apart and his head carries away, his voice 
takes on this kind of shriek like he's been inhaling helium as his vocal cords are stretched. Right. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. As they fucking elongate his neck and his his neck snaps, his, it, I don't even know how they achieved the fucking, uh, the vocal effect, if it was done in post-processing yeah. or what, but his last noise is a kind of a fucking banshee wail as his throat is torn apart and they carry his head off to feast on. And it is, oh man, talk about, this is, this is the art of horror. You don't, you yeah. know, you've seen a, you've seen a million heads come off. You've seen a million mm-hmm. zombies shot in the head, but that surprises you with its brutality. Right. It is innovative in how brutal it is. Um, yeah. And but, I don't know if anatomically that is a thing that would happen. Nope. But it's a creative way of thinking about it that never occurred to me. And yep. Therefore, sure. Yeah, I'll buy it. I've never and seen it wow, before, and I've never seen it since. That, <laughs> that I had never experienced before. So, so. innovative. Oh man, I love yeah. it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, and you know, there's a lot to be said for decapitations on screen, which almost treat, almost treat it lovingly. You know, which almost treat hmm. the fucking event, the 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 reality of it. The camera lingers and it's beautiful. And back to good old Charlie, poor, poor Charlie from Hereditary, in her interaction with the fucking pole, and that, fuck me, that shot in the in the fucking daylight, of her head, on the asphalt, covered in ants, twisted in a grimace, where you know she struck the telegraph pole, and just when just when you think, okay, cut away now, please, it doesn't. Just when you think, please, please, please go to a different shot now, please, it doesn't. And you can't not look and you feel the heat of that day. You almost get a sense of the smell. You almost get a, you can almost hear the fucking chittering of the ants, you know, as their legs kind of move on her her cold skin. Completely. Uh, As I say, it lingers on it almost, almost lovingly, you know, and... Uh, it is deeply, deeply, deeply affecting. Yeah, which also, you know, Midsummer does similarly in watching you get the the old people head smash. And, uh, you know, <laughs> like, oh, you're just, it, you really are like, it can't, okay, yeah. we're done with this, right? See, no, you're just gonna, you're gonna see it. I don't know you're why. You experience that. But whereas Charlie's head, I think, gets the response it was after in that I can't look away and I'm revolted and I can't can't look away. Please, please cut. Please cut the shot. It's horrible. The, the bit you just mentioned in Midsummer with Grandad getting his face absolutely dicked by that massive hammer just makes me, oh, that triggers my giggle. <laughs> giggle reflex. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. That's fuck. fair. Yeah. That's fair. Eesh. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of giggle reflexes, of course, there's always my favorite decapitation Ooh. of the gory sense Ooh, in something. And that, of course, is Demon Knight and my man Billy Zane. Wonderful. Um, I believe I mentioned this in when we discussed like best kills in something too, yeah. but uh the, oh, that film is decapitation, a decapitation it? it's so oh my god, it's so much fun from yeah. start to finish. And the decapitation in Demon Knight is like it's gory, it's surprising, and it's hilarious. Cause like up until that point, like, you know, we don't totally know what the deal is with mm. his character. And, you know, as it's kind of like, it's like he's tired of this whole charade, too, of putting on airs or whatever. And so he's like, fuck it. He turns around 
and he punches a hole through this like sheriff's face and proceeds to get his fist stuck in the hole wonderful and then you get this these shots of everyone else reacting and they're like what is happening what the fuck what's going on and it comes back to him and he's just annoyed and irritated that he's got a head stuck on his his hand and like the whole body his Mm. fist in there's guy still connected to his body so he kind of puts the guy on the ground and like pulls so that he can pull the head off and then turns around and he punches william sadler in the face with the head really cool i mean that it's chaotic it's ridiculous inventive you know inventive and fun unexpected you can't do anything but giggle when mm. it happens, you know? Like, even if you're like, whoa, like, you have to laugh mm. at just how cranked to 11 that is, you know, where everything went from like zero to 60 immediately. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah. All right. So that's what kind of movie I'm watching. Yeah. Check. Yeah. Demon Light has, has, properly gained a following hasn't it it, it feels yeah, like it, it definitely has. It, it, the world woke up to demon knight too late i think yeah yeah it kind of flew under the radar for a long time i think you know being part of the tales from the crypt is such like an interesting like franchise or whatever because on the one hand you feel like everyone watched it and knew what it was and all mm. this kind of stuff but at the same time it's camp in some ways is not always appreciated. Yes. <laughs> and so I think people look at like, oh, these Tales from the Crypt movies and they're like, okay, well, that's dumb. Why would I watch that? But you love the show, don't you? You love what they're putting mm. out there. So watch it. And it feels Were like there any more after, a long time. I know there was Bordello of Blood with one of the Corys in I it. Think there's a, Were there yeah, I think more? there's a couple of them besides that. I could be wrong, but I think there are a couple of um, Tales from the Crypt movies besides those mm. two. Um, but yeah, I feel like it just like kind of got that like, but schlocky, campy nonsense, and mm. people ignored it. And now, now that you can stream it on things and stuff like that, and people are watching it, you realize like it's actually like super. Now the fun. kids are discovering it again. The kids are discovering it exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, if, Any other uh, decapitations for you? Just, just. I mean, finally, there is there is one that you might groan at, but it's you know. What a great example of the very opposite of what we've talked about with Hereditary, mm. with Demon Knight, with Romero, with Reanimator. Just, you know, a decapitation that you don't see, but mm. yet just hits you like an absolute ton of bricks. I mean, was, do, you like, do you enjoy Seven? Do you like Seven as much as I do? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, of good, 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 good. Because fucking hell, when... When the penny drops and you realize what's being delivered. When you, when. What's in the box? Holy fuck. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about it now and it, and, and I will, again, a, a cinema experience that, that I will never forget. The ramifications of everything that guy has been fucking doing for the entire film just all fall into place when you realize what is in that fucking box and what is about to unfold. Right. It is. You know, grim inevitability of what then happens afterwards. Uh, great stuff. Uh, yeah, a decapitation that you don't see. No gore. A little bit of blood at the bottom of the box, but you don't see anything happen. Right. You don't see anyone die. You don't see the act completely off screen, but devastatingly impactful. Wonderful stuff. Yeah. And it was like a, a mini version. It's not devastatingly impactful like that one is per se, but 
one that that also made me think of was um, in Sleepy Hollow, which is obviously full yeah. of decapitations, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and I love that it's just like cartoony throughout most of it. Which is why that... I didn't pick Sleepy Hollow. I was gonna. I was gonna. Um, oh, really? Okay. But uh, there's so many of them. You just kind of go. Uh... Right. But there's one mm. that stands out to me in that movie. Uh, and that is when uh, the family gets got by the headless horseman sure and you see the mom go and like hide the kid Mm. under the floorboards yeah and then you know she's the like headless horseman chops off her head and you hear the like thump and then it rolls and lands so it's staring through the boards at her child yeah and then you know he reaches and he grabs the kid or whatever too Mm. and you're like oh he's not gonna make it either but like that is a dismal and spooky moment, you know, of just like that mom's head rolling over yep. to her child looking yep. up at it, you know, like, oh, that one, that's a memorable decapitation to me. You don't see it ne- technically happen. And we know, we know the horseman's sword gives you a, a beautiful clean cut and cauterizes the wound. Did that mother have a couple of seconds? I wonder. Where right? she fucking exactly. made She's eye looking contact. looking in her kid's eye. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe. Gnarly. I love it. Gnarly. Gnarly. Mm. Good set of... Yeah, uh, like Mark said, if you have favorite decapitations, please do let us know on all the socials. We would love to hear what we've missed. Oh, 100%. What, what, uh, and... If yeah, you what can, really gets you going. If you can give us a YouTube link, if you can point us to where we can take mm, a look at it, or, yes. you know what I mean? I'm... I'm yes. I'm more than up for exploring some more. It's a great laugh. Uh, but what about in the real world? Ooh, what about in the real world? What about in the real world? What about through history? Uh, what about across the globe? Hmm. Yeah. All right. Because, again, you know, if, if decapitation is a, a, a cinematic shorthand for an event, for a punctuation, if it's, if it's you know, something meaningful to do to a character... Uh, I think decapitation as an act is there's something so symbolic and something so powerful and something so it's almost it's almost an act of corrupting the human form isn't it mm. you know uh, yeah if if and yes all right it's it's well there's a particular word I'm looking for to describe the kind of the normalization of the the you know head two arms two legs figure of of, of, of a body decapitation is a willful corruption of that it's a willful mm. uh, perversion i guess of the human form and that's what i think is one of the things that makes it such a powerful almost symbolic act for me interesting yeah i mean quick bit of history you know i like to do this um once again <laughs> once again it's the egyptians it's the it's it's uh mm. good old ancient egypt leads the way uh the first <laughs> The first <laughs> you can instance. always count on the ancient Egyptians. Ah, oh, mate, talk about innovating. You know, they'll cut something off and <laughs> then invent a prosthetic to fucking make it work again. Great bunch of lads. Yeah. Um, first instance, first recorded instance of beheading in the human realm. <laughs> <laughs> Kingdom? I don't know. <laughs> it's been around for millennia, right? Uh, 3000 BC, uh, uh, Egyptian. In fact, the very term capital punishment, the very term is derived from the Latin for head, caput. Oh, yeah. There you go. That makes sense. There you go. Uh, Referring to the removal of the head for serious offences. Capital, caput, capital punishment. Punishing your head, mate. Did you say caput? 
That's what I said. Is that where that comes from? I think it must do. Fascinating. Okay. It must do. It's really interesting. Unless, it must. Until, I'm, until somebody proves otherwise, that's absolutely where that comes right. from. The etymology is completely separate. It's a total coincidence. But it just feels like that must yep. be where that comes from. I mean, uh, you would be, or maybe you wouldn't be, you would maybe be astounded at the number of nations throughout the UK where beheading has been employed as a means of punishment. Nations throughout the UK? Uh, sorry, throughout the world. Nations throughout the oh. globe. <laughs> I was like, I mean, there's like not that many of them, but... <laughs> Nations throughout the UK that have practiced decapitation. Oh my God, just in Africa. Uh, you okay. know, uh, I'm going to just run down the list. Congo, Azerbaijan, uh, all across the world. China, India, Japan, uh, Korea, Pakistan, Thailand, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Great Britain, uh, France, Germany... All of the Nordic countries, Finland, Norway, Spain, wow. all of the Middle East, Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Syria, uh, Mexico. Tell you this, United States never employed beheading as a legal method nope. of execution. Never, ever done it. <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason, that's not one of our things. Probably no. too European. Yeah, I wonder why. If it was so popular elsewhere, why did the States never cut off heads? I mean, Britain, we fucking I, we loved yeah. it. I wonder if it's about, like, how long we've been around, though, because it feels like a very pre-18th century kind of oh, thing. Oh, 100%, 100%. Um, so, yeah, we haven't been here that long. That might be why. <laughs> yep, that's it. I'll take that. Absolutely. Lots of um, lots of variants throughout the world on uh, culturally how it was regarded as well. I mean, if you take Greece, take ancient Rome, decapitation was considered an honorable form of death, a noble form mm. of death. Uh, mm -hmm. however, uh, you know, elsewhere it's regarded as contemptuous, you know, dishonorable, Ooh. a punishment without right. honor. Um, and then there are other forms of ritualized decapitation, which almost elevate it to art. Okay. Right. Um, you'll have heard of, you'll have <laughs> a heard, little nervous about come this, with me on this. Right. You'll have heard of seppuku. Yes. Yes. Of course. The samurai ritualized suicide as a means of reclaiming one's honor in the face of death right right now um uh through the through the various periods seppuku became more and more elaborate almost more and more detailed as a ritual mm. um one form uh one form of seppuku was actually uh, performed in front of spectators if it was planned out right if the wow. the you know the 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 victim i guess you would say um, the samurai would, if it was planned, you are to commit seppuku, they would arrange in front of an audience. And, mm. uh, you know, you'd go through the ritual of having a last meal, of, uh, you know, dressing in, in fine robes. Now, in some cases, the samurai in question would be able to nominate a partner, uh, mm. Keisha Kunin, it would be called, somebody standing by. And after the samurai takes up his blade, his tanto, and plunges it into his abdomen and slices his abdomen, his uh, Kaisha Kunin would then strike a beheading blow at the, exactly the same time. Whoa. Yeah, cutting off his head while the oh. samurai, while the samurai is cutting open his abdomen. That is quite but an image. Check this out. The, the skill involved, almost the artistry involved, the beheading maneuver... 
would be known as uh, Daikikubi, right? Known as the embraced head. Done from behind, but leaving a piece of skin at the front of the throat. Oh, jeez. So that the head drops down onto the chest as though being embraced. Wow. How incredible is that? That is really something. Yep. I mean, like like you said, it's like artful. Exactly. <laughs> it's a, That's an incredible... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's interesting to see the way that you sort of introduced this topic being like it's symbolic, like beheading is such a symbolic... I, I believe thing, it no is, yeah. ...kind of how it's done, mm-hmm. decapitation being symbolic. Mm-hmm. That is obviously <laughs> a very stark example of that, and it's fascinating Hugely. to think about. I mean, yeah. I'm processing it, but that's interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, what 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 a fucking performance, I guess. Yeah, it's. I I think I'm also like fascinated just by. I mean, the idea of seppuku and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The idea of just, especially in front of an audience. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. All right, here I go. But it would be absolutely again. You know, audience. your samurai would be wearing a special white kimono. Yeah. Uh, the the knife would be placed in front of him on a on a, a like a ceremonial pillow. In some cases, the warrior would write his own death poem. Mm. You know, beforehand, take a drink of sake and then commence this performance. Cut himself, get decapitated in front of an audience. It's it's a wild. This is when we talk about stage managing death. Yes, like that's it to its core. Yes, uh, and to think of that as something that would. I don't know. I guess I wonder was it did they embrace it you know like like on a real core level Mm. you know if you really kind of like were raised in this and and trained in this and all this kind of stuff would you be like all right this is awesome that this is happening now like obviously it's not awesome to be in a position where you end up having to do this but to be like all right this is how i get this all back and like i'm stoked on this process well to be able to do this or are you terrified (laughs) and you're like well here it is. Again. Going to be decapitated and gore myself in front of all these people. Well, the you know, the guy performing the decapitating blow has to be so skilled to yeah. to leave that flap inch of skin at the front of the throat. Uh, the reason that it's done in that form, by uh, I read, is to, to prevent the, the shame and the dishonor of a head rolling to the floor towards the audience. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, when you think about the ceremony, when you think about the theatricality of it, white robes, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the, uh, the, the fucking power of arterial spray and fucking blood from an abdomen oh, on God, fresh be... white linen, you know? Yeah. Wild. It's incredibly wild. And the, like, the, the decapitating blow or mm. the mostly decapitating blow, is it like a a swift like yes wow yeah it's it's one yep that's wild pretty crazy huh i've never heard of that before mm. blowing um, my mind uh let's take a bit of a swerve let's talk about decapitation in the animal kingdom <laughs> hey all right <laughs> i think you oh, know boy. oh you know what's going on yeah I do. well no let me let me <laughs> this just, is i'm going to start by sharing just like a, 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 a an example that i personally have witnessed, okay. right, of of self-decapitation in the animal kingdom. And I don't know if I've spoken to you about this before, but one time, uh, before my family and I moved to Oxfordshire, right, we had uh, we had, we had had a rat problem in an old house of ours, okay? Mm. Have I talked to you about this? I don't know, maybe. Um, 
to the point where we'd sleep at night and we'd hear these motherfuckers skittering about. Oh yeah, I think you did tell me about that. In yeah. the loft, I went up, uh, uh, you know, went up and left traps and not the humane type. But I left the fuck up traps, um, baited them with peanut butter, I believe it was, and checking those traps one morning, I I didn't find a rat. I found a chunk of rat head <laughs> in a trap. You know. Leading to the old. I don't leading... understand. Humane traps work better for everybody because you don't have to find weird pieces yeah. of rat in things if you just trap them. Mm. Oh well, yeah. I mean, subsequently, <laughs> yes, I I couldn't consider it a lesson learned. But I mean, did you find the rest of the rat? No. Never turned up. Never turned up. Just the determination of an animal to just pull off its own head to escape. Yeah. Man. Yeah. You you brought me into the circle of having seen animals pulling their own head off in uh, an attempt to escape last Just... week in a very classic Mark and Corey exchange of, do you want to see it? I don't know, <laughs> but send it to me anyway. Uh, and, this, I, well, uh, and I did. Insane the length that, that, that an animal will do. There's, there's video which I was... How did I come across it? I was just fucking about on the internet and I find this video of... <laughs> An emu, right? A, a bird. And just picture for me an emu, if you will, dear listener. Just this fucking huge bird with a fucking long neck. A uh, dinosaur. Yeah, really. A, a modern day dinosaur. And this emu, unfortunately, had gotten its neck trapped in uh, like a fence in its pen. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. This emu does it, tries so goddamn hard with so much force to extricate itself from its predicament that it literally pops its own head off and falls to the ground. Yeah. It was, I, because, okay, whenever I think about something like this, like, it's like how, you know, you can't hold your breath till you die. Yes, Because yes. your body will then start breathing again. Mm. <laughs> like, you would, you would think, and, like, say if you get, like, your, like, if you break your leg or something, no matter how much you want to run, mm. the pain tells you, you cannot do it, and so you can't. I just the idea of an animal like this getting its head stuck mm. and managing to yank so hard it pulls its head off, and it's wild because in this video the emu's head is just still there in the little like place where it was stuck, and its body's on the floor, like you know, uh, doing what you yeah. yeah, just spazzing around or whatever, and it. I can't even imagine how, mm. like, whatever pain defenses or whatever did not kick in. And just the force of that animal's body. Which, you know it has, because emus are, they're kickers. They're, like... Absolutely, I wouldn't, I wouldn't the fuck with them, one. They're strong. More positively, uh, <laughs> you know, way more cheerily, there's a particular type of sea slug, don't you know, uh, that can decapitate and regenerate its own head. Ah, oh, well, that's nice. Yeah, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's a very useful uh, trait I think <laughs> it really is um, <laughs> these sea slugs have uh, what scientists believe is a natural breakaway point in their necks like an asparagus oh do go on <laughs> well asparagus they have like a natural breakaway point so when you make a, an asparagus you just bend them and then they huh. snap off where they're ripe well 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 I did not know that oh well there you go asparagus and sea slugs Natural breakaway point. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, this is this is a link I will send you. Uh, you can see a breakage plane clearly across the, I guess, neck of this fucking sea slug. Sure. Um, and within a day, uh, obviously scientists tested this by decapitating them, of course. But it's a sea slug; it's cool. Um, and then within a day, within a day, I don't know the, if the sea slug agrees, but. Well, it's, it's grown a new head. Within a day, the wounded healed, and within a within week... Within a day? Yeah, 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 oh. yeah, yeah. Um, but check it out. The new body grows from the head downward, not from the body. The body that gets discarded. Oh. Yes. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. Which makes perfect sense. This is the head transplant all over again. Of exactly. course it comes from the head and not exactly from the body. This. It doesn't grow a new head. Yeah, the body, which, which is like 85% of its mass... Yeah, with it's just all now. of its organs, beating heart, kidneys, everything intact, just withers and dies, and the sea, wow. s- sea slug just grows a brand new body at the back of its whole head. system. Yeah, regrown. Yep. How cool is that? That is phenomenal. Yeah, really cool. It feels impossible. That's wild. Mm. And yet there it is. Uh, there's uh, 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 another superb, and I will also say metal as fuck video doing the rounds which i don't know if you've seen this of a wasp uh a wasp which has had its head you know disincorporated from its body but this wasp (laughs) you see it picking up its head and just flying the fuck away with it (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh man not again yeah uh (laughs) which you know putting down to various kind of ganglia sites within the body of the wasp still receiving stimulus still moving the wasp's body but this wasp literally just picks up its head picks up its own dismembered head and flies just fucking flies off with it that's wild and i want to see that i can arrange that for you i mean can it survive after that or it would starve it would would starve Mm. yeah that makes sense yes that that's so bananas though. That's comical, but also, like, just to, what I wonder is: did the wasp pick it up thinking it had found food? Oh, that's like, a you great. Know, I, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then realize because now you've why... just got a dead bug on the ground or whatever, as far as mm. the wasp is concerned. So did the whatever senses it have left go? Oh, meat, and pick it up and, and fly away with it. Wonder why you know can't eat it, it wasn't trying to rescue its own head. It now. Mm can only sense it or perceive it as an insect that would be prey. I don't know. That would be my question. It, it, it is a... You you watch this video, and I, I swear to God, it needs a metal soundtrack. It needs, like, the fucking... <laughs> the music from Doom or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I keep coming back to that, and I think that's why I'm so hung up on the concept of, of decapitation. It's because it's... Again, it's this corruption of the human form. And I think that's probably why decapitation has become such a powerful propaganda tool. Ooh, okay. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, the past, since since the early noughties, you know, when those videos that we know so well first started yeah. getting disseminated, it's a propaganda tactic. Beheading has been used as Absolutely. a propaganda tactic by, you know, by, by splinter cells, terrorist groups. Obviously, you want to say Al-Qaeda is the first one you think of, but there are lots and lots of groups, Russian, uh, Russian terrorist cells, Lots of Middle Eastern different terrorist cells use <laughs> that form of propaganda because it is such an emotive act. Yeah. It is such a symbolic act. To kill is one thing. To kill is bad enough. To kill is fucking indefensible enough. But to then, that isn't enough. To right. cause that damage, not just 
to the individual concerned, but to their fucking family, to their, you know, to anyone who knew them and loved them. That act of visibly violating the fucking human form in that way is one step. It's a step beyond murder. It's a statement of intent. It's a boundary that you cross as a human, I, 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 right. I believe. Yeah, that, I mean, I think that's really interesting. I don't know that I'd ever really thought about it that way, but I think you're you're definitely right. When I think about, like, so taking, for example, your samurai, mm. the idea that there can be an honor in it, but also you don't want the embarrassment, the humiliation of the head rolling away, right? Yeah. Like, there's yeah, an yeah. understanding of, like, a, uh, there is something about your head being attached to your corporeal farm mm. that is that is crucial to your dignity right and then thinking about like actual beheading like in those videos that would go around back in the day mm. you know it's a normally not done in a clean cut right nope. these videos and, and, aren't guillotining and it's that is someone like, intentional that is like, of course entirely yeah, intentional and so it's a person in the process of pain, their yeah. face contorts, things like that, you know, and uh, and you have something that now you have broadcast. Yes. Uh, one of the most horrendous ways that someone can die. And then often are like, you know, in those propaganda videos, in those things that are trying to scare people, they're like holding up the head and all that stuff to show you like this is what we have done. And so it really is... A, powerful image on such a like visceral level yep. that way and i think you're really i hadn't necessarily thought about it the way that you have expressed it here but i think it's well put it is it is a conscious decision to step over a line mm -hmm. you know uh uh yeah and 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 one that absolutely you respond on a very visceral very cellular level to it mm -hmm. um right because that's i mean it's not like there aren't other videos of people dying and things like that that I've seen on the internet and whatnot. Mm. But that is the one that, you know, I see if I close my eyes. It's mm. There's something about it that hits us much harder. It's wrong. <laughs> it feels very wrong yeah. compared to other things. There's some very recent examples of decapitations in the UK, in fact. Um, murders involving oh. decapitations here in the UK. Uh, in 2020, uh, uh, Deeply, deeply mentally ill guy by the name of Philip Tarver uh, was, well, he decapitated his mother. Um, that's a common theme, you know, in everything I'm going to talk yeah. about here. Guy yep. decapitated his mother, put her head in a freezer. Um, the, yeah, the, I remember the, reading about that one. Yes, very, very, very badly mentally ill, uh, yeah. habitual cocaine user. Um, stabbed and beheaded his was mother. that the guy who like took her to this took the head to the supermarket or something like that or was that a different person no that was a different person um okay because that was i think that was another mom head as well and they they took it to the grocery store or whatever afterwards oh um, my goodness it reminds do you remember the one it has to have been probably 15 years ago by now but the i think it was canada the bus where the guy de decapitated someone yeah and that has like traumatized me ever since then there's still like if i get on a bus by myself a lot of times i'll try to sit in the very back mm. so that there's no one behind me because it is like I, I just find that absolutely horrifying the idea that this person was able to decapitate someone mm. on a bus you know yeah 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 uh absolutely 
again, it's a it's a statement of intent. It is mm-hmm. it is a decision to do something in in the most fucking fucked up way. Even suicide by self decapitation, although rare, does occur. Um, I can't even imagine. Go well, on. Uh, let me help. I mean, earlier on, I uh, <laughs> read uh, uh, an academic paper right from the National Library of Medicine. Uh, it being uh, an academic paper, it omits name and identifying information. Sure. But if I were to say that it was described as a vehicle-assisted ligature decapitation, would that give you some insight? Oh. I'll quote from I... the paper, right? I will okay. quote from the paper. Uh, the present case deals with the unusual suicide method of a 36-year-old man who fastened one end of a nylon rope to a tree, guided the other end into a van through the open tailgate and placed the loop around his neck, then he stepped on the accelerator. Beforehand, he had marked the point on the ground where the rope would tighten. Mm-hmm. And as the rope tightened, complete decapitation occurred at a speed of around 35 kilometers per hour. Isn't that... That's the beginning of a show, isn't it? Mm. Um, do you remember? And I think it was... It might have been... Fargo? Possibly. Was it Fargo? I feel like it was Terry O'Quinn who was in it. <gasps> no, what was... What's the show? It was the Stephen King Castle show. Rock. Castle Rock. Didn't mm. that happen on Castle Rock? Possibly. I know I know it was the subject of a monologue by Chris Morris in his dark as fuck radio comedy called Blue Jam. I know it happened. I know he described something similar. Interesting. Yeah, that is... Yeah. Complicated. Yeah, well, the paper goes on to say that um, decapitation as a suicide method is an expression of enormous autoaggression and is categorized yeah. as a hard, air quotes, suicide method. Used predominantly by men uh, and its occurrence yeah. in the spectrum of suicidal actions is rare. Yeah, I would imagine. Mm. I Again, it's complicated. Like, that's not... It takes time. It takes effort. Uh, uh, you know, you really have and, to and, and yet, plan that out. Somehow theatrical, somehow stage yeah. managed. Mm-hmm. That guy could have done a million different things to end his life. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's why like guns are such an issue because most of the time when someone kills themselves, it's like they're probably drunk and sad and just yeah. shoot themselves. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, quick. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. impulsive. Yeah. Things like that. This guy did and a dry run, like I said, marked that. on the floor. I imagine like Doc Brown, you know, uh, right, when yeah. this car hits 88 this miles per hour. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are plenty of um, cases of people constructing their own homemade guillotines. Um, happened in 2003 here in the UK. Uh, a father discovered his son, his adult son, 36-year-old guy, um, who had built his own guillotine in his room. Wow. Yep. Uh, How do you not notice your son's building a guillotine? I don't know, but the, 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 he discovered too late. You know, he pushed open his bedroom yeah. door and found, found the guy uh, lying on his front decapitated in a pool of his own blood. And that can't be a quick process to build no, either. Sir. Again, these are so deeply premeditated to do something like that. This mm. is, you know, I, I always, I'm always interested kind of like when we were talking about, you know, the public suicides and things like that. Mm. I'm so interested in why people take these kinds of theatrical oh, ways of doing it. Corey, when there are so many easier ways to do this. Fascinated to the point of fixation on what the processes are, what the mental stages are. That, and and you know that that you know suicide is impacted by life. You know this, but I'm 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 even more 
just fascinated on what the decision process is that leads someone to do so in a public and theatrical and stage managed and convoluted and, you know, drawn out. And like that article says, hugely auto aggressive manner. It's one thing to end your life. It's one thing to take a life. It's another thing to do so in a way that's that that creates such grotesque theater about about the event. Mm -hmm. That's even the other day. I mean, this is only tangentially related, but the other day, the that um, former pageant queen, who um, who took her own life, and she jumped off a building in Manhattan. God, and you're like that. Damn. I mean, given that could easily be a, an impulsive decision or whatever, it's not mm. quite the same thing as this premeditation or whatever. But you know how like grotesque and mangled, and that someone's going to find it like that. Uh, you know, all of this kind of stuff. It's fascinating to me that people do that, you know, <laughs> they find ways to end their lives that are obviously going to be, I don't know, uh, yeah, theatrical. They're going to be um, noticed. It's not quietly yes. doing it. Is, uh, and again, who can speculate, but is, is, is no. does that does that play into the decision making process? Is it, is it a means of, right. you'll watch me now. Yeah, is it part of maybe some satisfaction that mm. you get from this? I mean, the fact that, you know, it's mostly men that, that mm. do this probably speaks something to the psychology of it as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, making a guillotine. Uh, why don't we end? Fastening all these, like, raids. Like, these are deeply premeditated theatrical ways of ending. Deeply premeditated life. and planned and constructed and tested, you know? Yeah. Anyway, let's, yeah. listen. Why don't we end? Why, why don't we end with a quote from Ed Kemper? What, what better way to end? <laughs> Not. A podcast uh, with a quote from Ed yeah. Kemper, who I, I, uh, one of the big names in decapitation, Ed Kemper, one of the real yes, leaders so. in his field. Um, yes. You know, between 72 and 73, Kemper killed eight people, eight uh, female students, eight female hitchhikers. And each of them, each of them, he took back to his home and decapitated. Uh and let's end this on a quote from Ed Kemper. I mean, I remember there was actually a sexual thrill. You hear that little pop and pull their heads off and hold their heads up by the hair, whipping their heads off, the body sitting there, that'd get me off. Uh, that's where we're going to end it, huh? Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Jack of All Graves. <laughs> <laughs> Decapitation. Decapapalooza. Decapapalooza. Oh, boy. Uh, I hope that, that that helped you get a little bit of fixed process some of this stuff, Mark. Yeah, it has, actually. Thank you. It has. It has. Uh, it's been it's been edifying for me to be able to talk this out. Yes. And you know what? We're probably never going to be done talking about the weird things that happen mm. in terms of head trauma, in terms of you know, what our brains are doing and all of this kind of stuff. So it's one of many such episodes, but you know what? It's, uh, it's a good little segment of hyperfocus right here. Yeah, it's the Joag journey. And some of the parts of that journey aren't particularly pleasant for anyone, are they? No, not particularly. Um, but if you feel, if you Unless have... Unless you're a sea slug. <laughs> in which case you just you walk it off or you wriggle it off crawl it off sea slug um, wriggle it off but look call to action if you're still listening god damn if you're still listening you're a fucking real one 
it's the Anna Martins of the world who are still listening at this point. Mm. Uh, <laughs> do you have a favourite movie decapitation that we haven't covered? Because I want to see it. I want to know about it. I want you to reach out. Uh, anything to close on, Corey? Keep your head about you, friends. To quote Queen on the soundtrack to Highlander, don't lose your head. And stay spooky.